0: It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. We're through a week of free agency, and now that we're a week through free agency, I think we're starting to get a pretty good idea of what the 49ers are going to need in the draft. And that's what I want to talk about on this episode, is what do the 49ers need to address? Do they have needs? Is there places they can go just for depth? Uh, Get into all that, so that way when we start getting into mock drafts and start talking 49ers draft. We have an understanding of how they're building this roster and which areas they need to address. And I think that's one of the big things that we need to find out with how the 49ers are handling it. A little bit of, a, you know, kind of down news today as Jordan Willis went to the Raiders. I think I was hoping, and I think a lot of the 49er fans were hoping that Jordan Willis was going to come back and be a part of that rotation that the 49ers have at DN because, really, when you're looking at the 49ers roster, DN seems to be the most glaring depth weakness of any of the spots on the entire team you have Nick Bosa he's the best in the business but then on the other side you have a young guy like Drake Jackson got a lot of upside I don't think anyone would argue how good Drake Jackson can be I think the bigger question is who is Drake Jackson right now and then behind him you have Cleveland Farrell great right a former top five pick uh he hasn't really lived up to expectations got a lot of work to do but you see promise, and we all have so much hope in what Chris Kacarek does with his defensive lineman that we just expect him to be Arden Key or to be Charles Aminahue or Samson Ebucom, but we don't know for sure. But behind them, there is nothing. There is no one. Jordan Willis is gone. Aminahue is gone. Ebucom is gone. So they're going to have to find and address the DN position, and that's one of those ones. Mr. Corey's saying right tackle is the biggest need. We're going to get into that as well. As we go through this. And how's it going, Donald? Uh, Mr. Corey, I'm glad you guys are in chat. Uh, Mr. Corey says, Jordan Willis for Cleveland Farrell was a steal for the Raiders. It could be. Let's see what happens when Chris Cassara gets his hands on Cleveland Farrell and see who he becomes. But I think it is a question mark around some of the other guys. And then, yeah, Donald saying, I heard Larry Kruger talk about Niners' interest in Lonnie Johnson. That is true. I've seen that around the Twitter sphere as well. Lonnie Johnson, potentially another secondary piece that the 49ers could add to their roster. I think when you're going through, uh, I started going through and marking down which position groups I thought were biggest need because of players they had. And the first spot I landed was defensive end. And Mr. Corey said it was right tackle, but I think when you look at the defensive ends, it's it's literally defensive end for this reason. You have three. Uh, 49ers you know, will play, usually carry five. On their game day roster. So they are deficient in two defensive ends right now, unless they're planning on moving Eric Armstead outside, which I wouldn't suggest because him and uh Hargrave on the inside is just absolutely impactful and exactly what the 49ers need uh moving forward. And they have an abundance of players on the interior defensive line Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, uh Javon Kinlaw, kalia Davis, Kevin Givens, T.Y. McGill. It is absolutely loaded. But then when you go and you look at the defensive end spot, Drake Jackson, Nick Bosa, right now would be your starters. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, the first guy in, and then Alex Barrett. And, you know, Barrett is a guy that's been around the Forty ers organization for a long time, but he hasn't really been active in very many games except for 2020, which the entire defensive line was decimated by injury. So I like Alex Barrett. I've always liked him as a practice squad guy. that could elevate in a pinch, Uh, But I don't think he's the actual depth the 49ers are looking for at the position. So to me, defensive end has to be the number one spot in the draft that the 49ers need to address. The good news for the 49ers is that defensive end is plentiful. Uh, There are so many very good players that are going to be available for the 49ers in that end of three comp pick range all the way through round seven and even guys that are going to be undrafted free agents. So to me, that's if you're going to have a draft need defensive end is that spot with the way the roster is currently constituted. And I, I expect the 49ers will bring back Kerry Hyder or somebody of that nature. So that way they have another veteran. But even then, the 49ers could draft up to three defensive edge rushers in this draft. There are some very good players, but uh, there are there are definitely some holes that need to be filled at the defensive end spot. The 49ers need to find players, you know, that could fit. Could they still go to the free agent market, you know, get a carry hide or maybe even get a, a more bi- a bigger name? Uh, potentially they could do that. I mean, there's some still some very, very good, you know, names out there as potential guys the 49ers could address with a free agency. But then you start getting into that money, right? It's a lot cheaper for guys in the draft or low-budget uh, available edge rushers. But, I mean, look at the names still available on the edge. Bud Dupree, Leonard Floyd, Frank Clark, Robert Quinn, Yannick Ngagwe, Javion Clowney, Matthew Ioannidis, uh, Ashawn Robinson, Marcus Golden, Akeem Hicks, Elias Campbell. I mean, it's the who's who of players. Justin Houston is still out there. Carlos Dunlap, Dante Fowler. I mean, you name it, they're available right now. And the Fourniers could definitely go that way. But what's the realistic you know, chances that they do that. I don't know if that is a really good uh you know opportunity for the four yards because they are trying to keep it as low cost as possible and those guys all cost. And so far, those names haven't haven't been willing to move uh for you know less money. So these guys could easily be under contract. We've seen what EbuCom got at not close to nine million dollars a year. Charles Amin Hugh got ten million dollars a year. So that is a market that the foreigners weren't willing to go for for those players. Would they be willing to go, you know, over 10 million for Leonard Floyd, a thirty-year-old you know edge rusher, or Bud Dupree, thirty years old? Like these guys are in their you know kind of their thirty range. Jadavian Clowney's there. Matthew Ioannidis is almost there. Uh, you know, Marcus Golden's thirty-two. He had eleven sacks. So would they be willing to do that? I don't know. The cheaper option is definitely to go draft, and there's a lot of players you know, in the draft that could be available to the 49ers that they could target. And I think that's one of the things that I think the 49ers are going to have to do is address defensive end in the draft. I don't even think it's a question now. It's just a when do they hit it and who's going to be available when they decide to uh, draft. And as long as the players they're looking for are there, I think they're going to pounce on a bunch of these guys. Mr. Corey says, "Aunt, would you trade Drake Jackson a 2024 second-round pick and a couple of thirds in the draft for Chase Young? As far as Chase Young, I mean, Chase Young's a phenomenal player. He's definitely worthy of the, you know, top five pick that he was taken with. I think my question marks around Chase Young would be a couple of things. Number one, he's going into the, you know, the fourth year of his contract. So what would his contract look like as far as extension? And then second, what is his health like after the big injury that he just came back from? I didn't see the same Chase Young that we had seen before that. Of course, the farther and farther you get away from the injury, the better you're going to be. The explosiveness comes back. You know, the power in the lower half comes back. Um, But I think it's a big question because if you're trading Drake and a second-round pick, Drake is stayed healthy. He's extremely athletic. To me, I think Chase Young is a better player right now. And I think he is more explosive. He has more talent. Uh, But I don't know if that juice is worth the squeeze. Drake, a second-round pick, and a couple of thirds is a lot to give up for Chase Young, who you're going to end up having to pay. You have Drake uh, Drake Jackson for three more seasons, that you would be trading Chase Young for potentially one year and then his fifth-year option if you decide to exercise it. If you made the trade before the commanders make a decision on the fifth-year option, there's rumors they're not going... To exercise a fifth-year option on Chase Young. So I think there's a lot more going into it than just player for player, Drake Jackson for Chase Young. Uh, But I, I think it's an interesting concept and thought. I don't know if the commanders will be willing to do that, but that's a lot to give up to get Chase Young. He is worth a lot, but I think the injuries are something I'm definitely concerned with. What's up, Mosquito Killer? How's it going? Welcome to the chat. So defensive end for me is the number one draft need for the San Francisco 49ers because they just don't have any Uh, besides the top guys. The depth-wise, you don't want Alex Barrett being the next best guy, the fourth guy. Like we said, they could always address it with Kerry Heider and some of those guys. Uh, But Drake, Cleland Farrell, and then Alex Barrett. So you need to address it there. Then where do you go next? Mr. Corey said earlier he thinks his offensive line – I still go tight end, and here's why. The 49ers have been trying to address this tight end room you know, for a while, but they haven't really been willing to you know, put any real capital into it. Charlie Warner was a six-round pick. Ross Dwelly was undrafted, free agent. They haven't really spent a lot of capital. Even George Kittle was a fifth-round pick. So I think the 49ers now are at a point where they need to invest a little bit of capital to go ahead and get a tight end. And they haven't been willing to do it in free agency. They brought Ross Dwelly back. That was announced today. It was. I'm sure it's going to be a very cheap deal. Last year he played on the league minimum. I expect something similar. This is the 49ers doing what they do. Making sure they don't have any glaring draft needs when they go to the draft. So that way they are not uh, drafting because of need. They can still take a really good player. And that way if they have to, they know what they got with Ross Dwelly. So I think the 49ers still need to address the tight end room. There are still really good free agents available. O.J. Howard just went to the Raiders today, uh, but they could go that way, having a number two for George Kittle. They could always roll with Dwelly or Charlie Warner on the back end as the third guy, but they need to improve that second guy. But I don't know if they're going to do it in free agency. They haven't been willing to spend the money. Robert Tanyan got a pretty uh, cheap deal to go to the Chicago Bears. So who exactly do the 49ers target? Well, there's tons of uh, tons of guys. The same way edge is plentiful in this draft, so is tight end. So for me, the 49ers going tight end would make a lot of sense, especially with the guys that are going to be available, you know, anywhere from, you know, the third to seventh round, there are players in all those areas that are, are guys who you could really count on to come in. Would they be able to be a number one tight end in the league? I don't know, but that's not what you're asking them to do. You're asking them to come in and be a nice tag team partner for George Kittle. Of course, the one the 49ers uh, fans want to go right to is Sam Laporta played at Iowa Uh, very good. He played good in the slot. He's got a lot of ability in the receiving game. needs to get a little bit better in the blocking game. But to me, I thought he was somebody that would make a lot of sense for the 49ers. But he probably moved himself up the draft board to not be available. So who's going to be? available when the 49ers get on the clock at pick 99 well a guy that i really like uh will mallory he's going to be there he's one of my star players out of miami he ran a four five four at the combine uh he he's a guy that he needs to get a little bit better with the blocking but you can see the ability to catch the ball he's a good receiver his routes are getting better but he needs to continue to work on it but to me he could be a steady number two and an actual threat behind george Kittle. Uh, another one that everyone likes to talk about is Jack Kuntz. Uh J- Zach Kuntz is from Old Dominion, six foot seven. He ran a four five as well. So a lot of speed coming from those two tight ends with some ability in the passing game. Those guys are very good. Another guy to mention, Brenton Strange, he's available and look good. A guy that I'm a huge fan of is Blake White Whitehart out of Wake Forest. But so we can see the 49ers go there later in the draft. Those are all possibilities. And it just continues. There are more and more guys throughout this draft. So 49ers going tight end seems to be inevitable. And I think it's one of those positions that they still have need at going through one week of free agency. You know, could they address it? Yes. uh, But there's definitely guys that need to handle it. And what's up, Scott Hill? How's it going? And he says we need a right tackle. And that's what Mr. Corey was saying as well. Uh, you know, it's all about that. Mr. Corsi and Sam Laporte, I love Sam Laporte. I think he's got so much ability coming in from the tight end spot. I think he could be a dynamic force behind George Kittle. I think the, you know, the the 21s and 22 personnels would be fun. The two tight ends, uh, that would be great. However, you know, I just think he just tested so well at the combine that that combined with what you see on film makes him an early day two pick, which means he's probably going to go somewhere in the second round to early third round. I just don't know if the 49ers would be willing to trade up to get a tight end. With the amount of really good tight ends in this draft, I would say they wouldn't. Now, if for some reason, Sam Laporta just fell down the board and got within striking distance of the 49ers at 99, like let's say he got to 89, I think the 49ers would be willing to package a couple of picks, move up and get Sam Laporta and put him with George Kittle. That would be a dynamic force that they could use. So I'm okay with that if it came to that situation. Mr. Corey talking about Chase Young said Chase Young looked explosive against the Niners last season. He flung Trent Williams around a few times. Oh, the strength is there. The ability is there. And he worked with one of the best defensive line coaches over at Ohio State. The technique, the way they play with leverage, uh, definitely really good. I I like a lot of the defensive ends that come out of – Ohio State one of my favorites is Zach Harrison coming out this season he was a five star prospect coming out of high school uh 6 foot 5 almost 6 foot 6 with an 87 inch wingspan tremendous if he you know tests really well uh, I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to go high but right now he's ranked in the range where the 49ers would pick according to a lot of the mock draft simulators and some of the things that I've heard and seen so uh, to me Harrison would be somebody I would be interested in that 99 to 102 range of the 49ers end up having him available. Mr. Corey says, "What was the six foot seven tight end you talked about?" And uh, that is Zach uh, Zach Kuntz from uh, Old Dominion. He's a he's a really really big tight end. He tested very well at the combine. He ran a four or five. He jumped out of the building. Uh, the dude's got tremendous athletic traits. I think when you watch the film, uh, you definitely don't see that translate all the time. And you also don't see him being very physical in the blocking game. So I think he would have to be more developed. So I've always thought that if the 49ers uh, signed a free agent tight end, that Zach Coons would make a lot of sense for them bringing him in as a third tight end, letting him develop for a year, and then him taking over that tight end two role. So far, I don't know if they're going to go that way. They've went Ross Dwelly because they probably are going to draft someone that they hope can step in and play tight end two behind George Kittle, hoping to get a tight end two that if heaven forbid something happens to Kittle, that guy could step in and get significant snaps. If you're going with a young guy, you have to make sure you give them support like a Charlie Warner over Ross Dwelley just in case. So I, I don't I don't know for sure which guy it'll be, but I want one of those guys. Mosquito Killer says, yeah, I definitely am excited to try and get another tight end but we definitely need another edge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Luckily with the 49ers having three picks from 99 to 102, they have a good range to be able to address several issues. They could get a defensive end. They could get two defensive ends. They could get a tight end in that area. They could address safety as well. Uh, With the fact that they've loaded up on interior defensive line, that went from being a possible need to not being a need at all. And I think that's something that's nice that the 49ers are doing the way they continue to address their holes. So when they get to the draft, they don't have to dress a draft to fill holes. They're drafting to fill depth and they're drafting for the future, which we've seen them do, especially at the offensive line position. My number three positional need for the four years in the draft is the offensive line. So Mr. Corey has been calling for it. Uh, you know, mosquito killer talking about it as well. These are positions the 49ers need to address. And I think that offensive line is definitely one of those. Now, I've seen a lot of people talking about the 49ers, you know, drafting an offensive center. You know, somebody like uh, uh, Luke Whipler out of Ohio State or somebody like that. I know the 49ers really like drafting offensive tackles. In fact, they've only drafted one interior offensive lineman in the entire tenure of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. That being Aaron Banks, a second round pick for him. Other than that, they have not drafted an interior offensive lineman. They've been willing to sign them as undrafted free agents. That has not been an issue. But when they've been in the draft, they have drafted offensive tackles that they've been willing to move around. It was uh, Daniel Brunskill was a guy they brought in from the AAF, but he was an offensive tackle that they moved inside. Uh, Colton McKivitz played some guard for a while. He was an offensive tackle that they moved inside. This is something that they like to do. If you look at what they did last year, uh, Nick Zakel, the tackle, they moved inside. Spencer Burford, offensive tackle, they moved inside. This is the way the 49ers go about it. This is the way they address their offensive line by getting big, physical, athletic offensive linemen and then turning them into whatever they need them to be. So the, the obvious names for the Forty ers on the offensive line start with Cody Mock and Matthew Bergeron. The problem is, are those guys going to be available when the 49ers pick at 99? Probably not. Both of those guys are going to go you know, off the board sometime in the late second round, maybe even mid-second round. So four-years are not going to be able to reach them, which makes it a little bit more interesting when you're going through this draft. And people have been trying to find players that the four-years could possibly be able to reach. Maybe they're available in the, you know, middle of the third round. The four-years could trade up and get them. So that's why when I'm going through players, I don't always look at these centers or offensive guards because the four-years haven't been willing to do that. The likelihood are the four-years are going to draft an offensive tackle because of their athletic ability and move them inside. Uh, they've got Jake Brendel now for you know foreseeable future if they want him. They don't really have to address center anymore. Their guards seem to be figured out, so they are gonna go tackle. So I'm sure I haven't even looked at chat right now because I was having a conversation, but I'm guessing most people want uh Blake Freeland. That's what Mr. Corey said. We're getting Blake Freeland, which is I'll be honest, Mr. Corey. I- I'm gonna have some fun with you right now. Uh, the, I'm surprised you like Blake Freeland considering Blake Freeland is Mike McGlinchey light. Uh, that is exactly who he is, except he's not as good in the run game, but, uh, the, the things that he struggles with, the things that he's not great at are the same things that Mike McGlinchey struggles at. And I was watching Blake Freeland's film and, you know, he's crazy athletic. I really like the, you know, the things that he can do athletically, the way he's able to get to the second level. Those things are great. Uh, his length is fantastic because he's six foot eight. He has all that height and ability a smooth kick slide Here's the problem. most defenders can beat him with physicality. most defenders can beat him going to the inside. he gets out on his uh edges a little bit on the outside and loses his balance so to me uh, I think it's it's one of those things where Freeland is a solid pick if you're picking him with one of those comp picks, but if you're having to trade up to get him, I know I wouldn't be willing to do it from the film that I've saw. Of Blake Freeland so uh, to me I get the I get the love of Blake Freeland the athletic ability that everyone sees uh, he's got a lot of issues um, with his bending at the waist and a lot of that's because he's six foot seven and I have a lot of problems with the fact that he's only 304 pounds he needs to put more weight on uh, Mike McGlinchey was too light when he weighed that amount and this guy is taller than Mike McGlinchey he needs to put more weight on that on that body of course he can do it but I don't think Freeland would be the answer in year one. If you draft Blake Freeland, uh, he could be the eventual replacement for Colton McKivitz, But I think Colton McKivitts would beat Blake Freeland out if they went at it at camp. I said it on Twitter, and I'm going to stand behind that. I don't think Freeland could beat Colton McKivitts out in year one. McKivitts is a better run blocker. McKivitz is more stout and can anchor more. And has better balance to be able to play the inside move by a defender than Blake Freeland does at this point. Hey, and I might be the only one I might go out on a limb with it, but that's just what I believe. Um I I just, you know, I'm I'm with you. And Mr. Gor says Freeland isn't a top ten pick. He's more athletic than McGlinchy. He's more athletic, you're right, but he's not a better offensive lineman. And uh that to me, it's it's not he's not somebody that I'm I'm like get jumping for joy about right now. I, I like the player overall, but I like him at a certain area. And what's up, SG? How's it going? I hope you're having a good day uh i hope i hope everything is going good and as far as trent Sherfield, day glad he went to the bills Uh, glad he continues to be able to play nfl football and get an opportunity to produce on the field that's important so offensive line i still think they're going to they're going to go with a tackle so if blake freeland was available towards the end of the third round and they need to trade up a few picks to get him i'd be okay with that uh but to me, uh Freeland, I would not trade up into the early third round to get him. Uh, I think that there'll be other players that you could address later uh that you could possibly get that I think you know would make more sense, like Wanya Morris out of Oklahoma. Uh, I think he's a possibility for the 49ers, and they could definitely get him, you know, with one of those comp picks in the third round or even wait a little bit longer and, and get a player that I think you know definitely fits the system the 49ers want to do. So there are some guys that are going to be available at the offensive line, but you're right, addressing offensive line and getting depth pieces is important for the San Francisco 49ers in this draft. That's why I have it uh number 3 on the list. But when you look at the 49ers offensive line overall, it's pretty good the fact that they've kept the core group together. Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, and Spencer Burford uh all were starters last year. We have the one replacement that is going to be Colton McKivitz playing right tackle for Jalen Moore, Uh, but they still have Jalen Moore as a backup. They have Nick Zakel as a backup that they've been developing. Uh, Jalen Moore for a couple of years now, Nick Zakel for one, Jason Poe for one, and then they brought in Keith Ishmael as well, who's had some starts in the league, who's now the backup center. So those are things to remember. They've definitely drafted for depth already, so they did a pretty good job of keeping this group together. And I did see something in the chat about postage. I don't know. Let me see if I can go find that again. Um, I missed it a second ago. Something about making an offer for... Oh, there it is. Mr. Court said we made an offer towards Ethan Postage. He chose to stay in Cleveland. Uh, so, you know, they tried to do something. It, it didn't work out. But, um, yeah, I mean, now we're going to be with Jake Brendel. Hey, how's it going, Rich? Good to see you in chat. Glad you came through. Um SG says his first day of work at Great America is on April second. Can't wait to meet all the coworkers. Well, I hope you have a good time. You'll be, uh, right there, right over there in that area by the stadium. So uh, that'll be fun. Uh, Mr. Corish says, but a swing, but I actually like Colton McKivitz, but as a swing tackle, I'm with you. I I think that you know this is a a jump, uh, with him starting. But when it comes down to it, you have to have faith in Chris Forster. Uh, the way that Chris Verster has built this offensive line in the last several years, they've outproduced what anyone thought they were going to be. And then the offensive linemen, it's almost like what Chris Kacarek has done. Those offensive linemen have turned what they've done on the field into solid contracts. It was last year that Tom Compton left after what he did at the end of the season filling in for Mike McGlinchey and got a good contract from Denver, more money than, than the 49ers were willing to pay. And nobody thought Tom Compton was going to get something like that. Blake and Tomlinson got top money to go play left guard. And he was a, originally a, a trade. The 49ers made look at what Mike McGlinchey got this year. Top t- tackle, right tackle money uh, to go out there and, and get his spot. And we see offensive linemen leaving all the time, even depth pieces for the 49ers or guys who are rotational pieces that go out and get good contracts. And I think Chris Furster gets the most out of these guys, but when they're drafting players, I think they're very high on certain guys. Uh, and I think that overall, this wasn't exactly a uh, Colton McKivitz wasn't a Chris Furster guy. He was somebody that was drafted when John Benton was the offensive line coach. So I think when he got, when Furster took over in 2021, I think you kind of seen what happened. Uh, they they shocked Colton McKivitz by cutting him and not allowing him to make the 53 man roster. But once he put, put his head down and got to work, you've seen the development. And then in 2021, he was able to come in And help the 49ers produce and get a week 18 win over the Rams. And then I thought last year, when Colton McKivitz came in, he did a lot better. Uh, So I want to see the development of Colton McKivitz coming into the season. He's definitely been in the league and experienced the things that he needs to experience. Uh, He's not going to be surprised now by anything that happens. He's when he gets really good edge rushers. Uh, But he's been in the system for a while, so I think there's some continuity there with him working with the guys that he's going to work with. And continuity is huge when it comes to offensive lines and everyone playing together. And then I also want to see what the development of Jalen Moore, Nick Zakel, and Jason Poe are, uh, because we haven't got to see them. Jalen Moore, of course, struggled mightily against Denver, but in his next opportunity, he did a lot better. He settled in. I think that moment, Monday Night Football, all that was really huge for him, or Sunday Night Football was really huge for him. Uh, But he addressed it. And I do want to see how Chris Furster continues to develop this offensive line, and I I do give him a lot of rope and a lot of faith. And what's up, Randy Daytona? How's it going? Uh, what's up, Kylie? Kylie's in chat. What's up, Jess? Uh, Rainey says all of our eleven. Sorry, I missed it right here. All of our eleven draft picks are going to be future Hall of Famers. We are good guys. Trust the Niners. Uh, the one thing I I don't know if they'll be all Hall of Famers. I I love the I love the confidence. Uh, but I do believe that we will get some gems out of it. The 49ers have figured it out in every single draft. How do you find a gem that makes a big time impact? And that's why they've went with this comp pick comp pick formula that they've went with. Let players leave, replace them with comp picks and very, very smart undrafted free agents. How many of those undrafted free agents have paid dividends for the 49ers? Emmanuel Mosley, Aziz Al Shire, uh, just to name a couple, Kevin Givens. These guys have been impactful for the 49ers as seventh, or I mean as undrafted free agents. You can even look on the other side of the ball. And there were guys on that side of the ball that that did it as well. So to me, the 49ers do a very good job of drafting uh players throughout the draft that make an impact. And then they also sign undrafted free agents that do a very good job of stepping up, developing. And now, like this year, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, who's an undrafted free agent, is going to have an opportunity to compete after the guaranteed money. We just saw him getting so uh, and Mr. Corey says Chris Furster might be this era's Bob McKittrick. Woo! Bob McKittrick was absolutely fantastic. Uh, one of my favorite coaches of all time. I just love the way he went about his business and he always produced. He got what one or two first round picks uh, as a coach and he developed everybody else. And I think that is something that's awesome. The way they just drafted them, uh, You know, they just drafted those guys to fit the system. And then he was expected to develop them. And I think that's what they do at first, or they look for specific traits. And I also think they look ahead, you know, here you got Nick Zakel. They probably thought Daniel Brunskill could potentially leave this year. Nick Zakel is a guy that can play, you know, all five positions. So now you have that. Is he at Daniel Brunskill's level right now? No. Does he need more development? Absolutely. But I think those are things that they can continue to work on. And I like where the four years are going with their offensive line. You know, I, I think that it's young. Uh, there's definitely some question mark, but there is continuity of four of the five, and that's hard even during the season, let alone in an offseason like this. What's up, Roberto? How's it going? Hey, Ant, I really like the way the Niners have handled free agency. I can't wait to see how they handle the draft. I trust our front office group. I'm with you. I trust them as well. Uh, they have definitely... You know, earned everyone's trust with the way they've been able to go about it. Did they make some mistakes? Absolutely. Have they learned from those mistakes? Yes. So when they went out in the 2017, they took chances. They tried to get big-time players. They traded up. They moved around. They were trying to make an impact early in the draft. And then what they learned was they honed it in. They started looking for certain characteristics as far as uh, personality traits and also how they were doing in school. Uh, they also made sure that these guys, you know, after a while, they were worried about certain types of injuries. So the 49ers have definitely honed in on what they need to do to continue to build this roster. And now that they have the formula, they just continue to do it. The question is going to be how many other teams are going to take the 49ers formula and use it. Uh, because you know, when you start seeing guys go out and get GM jobs like Rand Carthon, they know what that formula is. Now, can they duplicate it exactly? No. They have a different coach. They have a different scheme. So it doesn't mean they're going to draft the same way, uh, but it does give them a basis at which to evaluate players and draft players. So they could ultimately take some of the players, the 49ers would target because of those traits. So uh, the 49ers are just going to have to continue to hone in their craft to get guys that fit their system. But I think they can do it. Roberto says as many running backs as Kyle seems to go through, do you see a third round running back drafted? No, I don't see a third round, uh, running back being drafted i do think there's a tremendous amount of talent in the running back area but the 49ers when looking at depth in fact i wrote down in my list i was going through positional need and then i put some as luxury picks i uh, luxury picks one of them is running back because the 49ers it would be nothing more than a luxury pick because of who they've got at the running back position it is absolutely stacked christian McCaffrey, elijah mitchell Uh, Both of those guys could start on uh, 15. uh, Christian McCaffrey probably on almost every team. Elijah Mitchell could start on 15 teams. Then you got Jordan Mason, who uh, was very impressive in his rookie season. I expect him to take even a a bigger step forward. But his one, one foot in the ground, get vertical type of running style fits what Kyle Shanahan wants. Plus, he's a big guy that's hard to bring down. I think Ty Davis Price is somebody that is going to step up. I don't think we're getting the same things we got you know, with other players, I think he's a guy that's going to stick. I think they're comfortable with these four guys in the room, and it's a very impactful room. And just think, one of those guys is not going to be active on game day, so this room is going to be highly competitive. Competitive, it's going to be very good. I don't think they draft anyone. I, I would not be shocked though to see them uh, go ahead and sign guys in undrafted free agent market to bring in. Of course, you want to have more than four running backs going through training camp. You need to make sure you have six, at least six. Uh, to get the reps, because if not, you're going to tire these guys out. And I'm sure it's going to be a smaller workload for Christian McCaffrey and probably even a a little bit of a changed workload for Elijah Mitchell during training camp. So Jordan Mason, Ty Davis Price are probably going to get a lot of the carries. Boy, training camp's going to be a lot of fun this year. I'm really, really excited to see it because I think it's going to be uh, good. Uh, Marvin says, Sermon left a lot to be desired. And I think that's what's been found out, right? He didn't play any in Philly either. Uh, so I think that's a problem as well. Um, there's lots of free agents. You're right. There are a lot of free agents out there. So I think that running back is a position the 49ers don't really have to attack. So I think the 49ers won't address. Um, I, I don't think the 49ers are going to address running back. Mr. Corey says Ty Davis Price could have been Kirby Joseph or Nick Cross. You're right. It could have been a safety. But I don't think the 49ers were really wanting to attack safety in the draft. I think the 49ers, you know, wanted, they had Jimmy Ward. But they knew they had Talano Hufanga. They didn't really have to. So what they did was they signed a veteran player like George Odom. That could be a, a suitable backup. They had Tarverius Moore, but those two guys were big-time special teams guys. When they brought in Gibson, uh, then they knew they didn't have to, you know, address it again. So I think the 49ers are okay with safety. Do I expect them to go safety in this draft? I do. I really do it. Fourniers Classic says the NFL is a copycat league. Other teams will copy the Fourniers because of their success, exactly. And they go and they steal their coaches and their front office personnel, and everyone wants a, you know a taste of it. That's the same thing that happened when Bill Walsh was there, and then George Seifert. Uh, the the coaching staffs went. You know, Mike Holmgren went, Andy Reid from Holmgren staff. The, these trees just get big. But it was Ray Rose. It was Denny Green. All over the league, and there, you know, even Carmen Policy and Dwight Clark went to Cleveland at one point for huge contracts because that's what happens when you have success. Everyone wants to have that success as well. So we went through the first three: defensive line, tight end, and O line. The fourth is safety, and that was what Mister Corey just brought up in chat. Uh, you know, he talked about Kirby Joseph and Nick Cross, and everyone was definitely on that, including me. I thought potentially they could draft a safety last year just in case Jimmy Ward left. They weren't willing to do that. They had other positions that they wanted to address. And you're right. Ty Davis price, uh, you know, they, they went there, but there's no guarantee, right. That they were going to get Jordan Mason or that Jordan Mason was going to turn to that player. Also, you didn't have Christian McCaffrey at the time. Uh, you had Jeff Wilson jr. So you're, you're drafting guys still. It's a different uh, running back room last year compared to this year. Now with safety, you know you got Hufanga and you got Gibson, and Gibson's here for one more year. Hufanga's going into year three, so next year, actually, they'll have to make a decision on whether to give Tauno Hufanga an extension. So this is a big year for him because he, because he was a fifth-round pick. He only had a four-year contract, and we're already through two years for Hufanga. Uh George Odom, and then they signed Miles Hartsfield, and Hartsfield is either going to be a safety or a nickel corner. I'm thinking he's going to be more in the safety range. I think that's why they're bringing him in, another special teams guy. But is it the ability to play in the slot? And it started a lot of games in the league. And then they have Taylor Hawkins. And Taylor Hawkins is one of my favorite guys, undrafted out of San Diego State. I said last year I, I thought he was going to beat out Leon O'Neal. He did. I thought he had a chance to push to make the roster. He pushed uh, Hawkins is someone I'm extremely high on. And I think he has the opportunity you know, to make this football this team this year. So they still could address the depth portion of the safety class, including drafting a safety that could, you know, potentially come in and and be a heir apparent to where they could learn under Gibson and learn under Hufanga, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you have the next guy, the guy that can step up and really help your football team. Uh, but what are those, you know, what do those guys look like in the draft? I think that's the bigger question: is locating the guys that you can. Uh, you know, I'd be able to hit in that 99 to one Oh two range. You know, are you going to get a guy there that's going to be able to help? Because I mean, some of these guys are really good. You got like a, a Jamie Robinson from Florida state and he's, you know, right now kind of pictured in that into three, but I think he's going to go uh, towards the beginning of the third round. Now we've seen safeties in the draft over the last several years, kind of blow up and fall off. You see the way free agent safeties are getting less and less money in the NFL it seems like the NFL is going away from the safety position as a high priority, the same way they did with running back. But we've seen the value there kind of fall off. So maybe Jamie Robinson would be able to fall to that area. I love him, of course. I'm a Florida State fan. Guy's impact player. He makes big-time hits. He's a solid tackler. He's somebody that could be available. Dale Skinner, uh, he could be available as well out of Boise State. And with the injury that he had, how much will he slip down the draft board and potentially be available? J.R. Brown out of Penn State is a guy that is, is fun to watch and can make an impact. Uh, I think that those are all guys potentially the four yards could address. And of course, one of my star players that if you have me on Patreon, you can go over and check out is Trey Dean. And if you're looking at measurables, you're not going to see it. He, he's, he ran a 4-7. It's not going to impress anybody. Uh, but when you watch him, he has fluidity in his hips. He's able to turn and run with receivers. He's able to turn and run with tight ends. But he's six foot two, 200 pounds, and he hits very hard. He's a good tackler. I like him a lot, a former corner. Uh, so to me, he's a guy that the four yards could bring in to play the free safety position. He needs to improve in his zone ability. Uh, but when you have a guy like Steve Wilkes that coaches the secondary the way that he does, he's a guy that can definitely fit what they're trying to do. And I think also with the amount of blitzing that he does, uh, you could flip them into man and trade Dean would be able to handle a lot of the tight ends in this league. And I think that's something the 49ers could definitely be looking forward to. So he's one of the guys that I'm very, very high on in this draft. And what's up, Tall? How's it going? Says, dang, I'm late. What's up, TCC? How's it going? And Roberto says, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. I love it. Uh I absolutely love that comment. You're right. It is. Imitation is what it's about. And, that's what this league is going to try to do. And they're going to try to take out what the 49ers are uh, doing and try to use it to their advantage all the while doing it your own way. Cause every single team has a certain spin on it, right? Their coaches are a little bit different. Um, the way they're having to build their rosters is a little bit different. Who's available to them is different. Um, like you've seen with just the way Mike McDaniel and Robert Sala have built their rosters entirely different, even though they came from the same organization, the 49ers. Their teams are going to look different, and that's the same what's going to happen with the Houston Texans as well. Uh, so to me, it's it's interesting that the, the types of things they take and use for themselves and the types they try to do their own way and how that in, ends up impacting them. Mr. Corey says we need a second round pick for either an offensive tackle, safety or tied in. I think there's value for for safeties in the third round. Uh, and the fourth round. I think that'll be fine. I think tight end as well. You could probably probably get a very, very good tight end in rounds three through five, uh, maybe even two if you wanted to go that way, guys with high-end ability. Offensive tackle is the one. I think you're right, Mr. Corey. I think if you wanted to hit on a really good offensive tackle in this draft, you need to be in that second round. And I don't know if the 49ers are going to be willing to go up and get someone in that second round. There are very good players you know, that are going to be up there, you know? So then the, the question start being, you know, do you take chances on somebody that maybe is injured? Uh, Is that something that you're willing to do? Do you go Andrew Voorhees and you take an offensive guard uh, and then potentially move Burford out in a, in a year or so? I think that's something to, to think about, but I mean, if you want to get one of those guys, you know, that's going to be one of the better tackles, you're probably going to have to trade up and get them. And I don't know if the four yards have the juice or want to spend because, Next year's draft seems to be a lot better with talent. So uh, to me, if they're willing and they wanted to go up and get a guy, they could go up into that middle second round. And I think that's the location they could get Cody Mock or Matthew Bergeron, who they're huge. I've heard they're huge on out of Syracuse. I don't know if that's the case, but then you got Cody Mock working with uh, Joe Staley. So they're going to have that. Uh, To me, both of those guys would make sense for the 49ers, but we'll see. I I just don't know if they're going to be willing to, Uh, jump up into that area they were willing to trade out you know trade that pick for christian mccaffrey they were willing to make those types of moves knowing they probably have some sort of a gem and they found spencer burford in the fourth round last year could they potentially find another guy in that third round range i think they could Uh, so maybe that's the way they go uh (laughs) mr Groy says no leave the trade bulky philosophy alone well i mean i don't like that philosophy the way that bulky did because he did it consistently all the time but the 49ers were willing to do it this year with kalia davis uh kalia davis got hurt in the combine process and they were willing to draft him because he was a guy with third round talent they could get in the sixth round and then when he came back and practiced last year they were extremely excited about what they seen on the field so i don't think it's a a science you want to normally take uh, but for every player that you know you kind of have a give and take with so if you have extreme potential there you do it i don't think it's something you want to spend high draft picks on so you're right drafting someone in the third round that has an injury that could potentially develop is a lot more nervous than somebody that you take in a sixth round with a comp pick which is basically a seventh round pick so to me i think you're right in those situations you could do that um so i'm good uh rich says i think so because we don't have many players to make the 53 yeah, we, we don't. We're not going to have very many players you know, to have to make this 53-man roster. Right now, we're trying to fill out a 90 and see who can come up. Uh, but I think I read today that the Forty ers have 19 of 22 uh, starters from the NFC Championship game coming back. So the Forty ers are going to have a a full complement of players and talent, and they've added to that with Hargrave. If they could add an edge rusher with a significant amount of ability, either in the draft to go behind Drake or in free agency, I think it could put the 49ers over the top twisted clown with the super chat What's up twisted clown says all will be warming the bench package picks. Uh, okay. Package the picks and go up. I, I think that's a possibility. You're right. These guys could be warming the bench. Any guys in the draft, uh, but that is one of the ways you build for the future, right? Cause you know, you have contracts coming up, Cleveland Farrell, one year deal. You're going to have to figure out more edge rushers again. On the interior, as far as defensive line, you have other guys that are on one-year deals. Kevin Givens uh, is going to be back for one year, but then he could be gone. Javon Kinlaw, you're not going to exercise his fifth-year option after this. He could be gone. Uh, So there are some places where you need to institute depth for the future. And I think edge rusher and D-line are two of those. Also, when you look at the linebacker position, even though I think it's absolutely stout, you're going to have Oren Burks going into the last year of his deal. You're going to have uh, Demetrius and fouls. He's in a one-year deal. Um, to me, you just got guys you know that are on those. And I know Marcelina McCurry Ball everyone's excited about, but you just have to have more depth in that room. So continuing to draft and, and get players that can potentially step in is very important. I think the 49 have did that at a high level in the secondary, and I think they've been doing that at the offensive line. I don't think it can be at even more clear than Lakin like Thomas and Leaves. You insert Aaron Banks, you're ready to go. Daniel Brunskill's not ready to go. Spencer Burfer steps in. He's ready to go. Can they repeat that with Colton McKivis stepping in for Mike McGlinchey? If so, it it could be very, very impactful. So I, I kind of like the way they go about it, but I do understand the want to grab a couple of draft picks and trade up. I'm not against that, depending on what player you're going to get. If it's going to be a dynamic player, a player that can help you out right now, I'm all for it. What's up, San Francisco in the house says, what's up coach it though Eagles fans to be sick when they see us flexing with Hargrave next season it definitely gonna change some things I mean that's that's the point Uh, he's gonna come in and make an impact you add him to Eric Armstead with Bosa it's dynamic and depending on how much Drake Jackson has improved since last year if he's improved to the levels of potential that he has it could be lights out I mean he had three sacks last year he could even double that that's more production than you got from Samson Ebicom. I think his question marks, are can he stop the run on first and second? Well, the guy I know that can do that is Cleveland Farrell, uh, so that's good news. The Foyers could obviously start Cleveland Farrell on first and second down, bring in Drake Jackson as a pass rusher if they wanted to. Now, if Drake has improved enough, he's been working with Keserick and Kesaek developed Samson Ebucom's ability to set the edge against the run. Uh, then we might be talking about him being a three-down defender. And if he is, uh, the four years were definitely on the right track. And there could still be some low-cost, uh, you know, budget-type moves they can make. A Justin Houston expect to get like $3 million. The 49ers could splurge and potentially get a guy like that. I don't know if they get one of the big-time guys, but I guess if they felt they could afford it, they would do it. And, and for me, Parag, I just trust what he does as far as contracts in the front office. So I'd be all... Willing to do it. And Mr. Course says Jawan Jennings is gone in 2024 too. Well, Jawan Jennings will be a restricted free agent in 2024. So he's exclusive rights this year, next year, he would be a, um, a restricted free agent because he doesn't have four accrued seasons yet. So he cannot be an unrestricted free agent until he has that because he spent his first year, this drafted season on the practice squad and then was hurt. He was never on the active roster. So, uh, I believe we will have a 2024 with Jawan Jennings and then after that uh you're right he will potentially get a big contract they won't be able to afford a big contract for uh Jennings to go along with Ayuk if they decide to extend him and Debo Samuel so there'll be some decisions there that's why there's some wide receivers in this draft that I like and the 49ers have you know met with a couple of guys including Nathaniel Tankdell uh you know they they met with um uh, other ones as well that I really like. I just went blank on the old Miss player. Oh, Jonathan Mingo uh, they met with as well. And I know they were meeting with guys at the Pro Day. They met with a, one of the Michigan wide receivers as well. So safety, the number five positional need for the Forty yards is cornerback. And, I mean, I think they've done a good job of addressing the cornerback position we talked about earlier. You've got your starters, Charveris Ward, or Lenore. Uh, then in a the slot, it's going to come down to uh, Sam Womack uh, playing against – um against the you know the new signings the guy they brought in and is isaiah oliver so those guys are probably going to battle it out for the nickel spot and then you're going to have you know a, a competition on the outsides as well with ambry thomas and uh you know who's going to be the who's going to be the back of him and sam womack on the outside if you know he is beat out by isaiah oliver on the outside and then we got our guy kind of hiding the same way taylor hawkins has been flying under the radar at the safety position on Trez knight Been huge on him since they signed him out of UCLA. He was one of my guys I really loved when I watched his film playing in the slot. I think he's one of those guys that has uh, potential to compete, and I'm excited to see what he does. And whether that's playing nickel corner, which I think he's best suited for, or transitioning into the free safety mode, uh, the fact that he's a hitter, he has great instincts, and they signed Miles Hartsfield. He's not much different as far as body style from Quantrez Knight. Uh, but Knight is one of those dudes that he's the first one out there every single day working. He works his butt off. He gets it done. Uh, he flashed so much in the, the practice uh, game that they played last year, the scrimmage games they were playing against Minnesota. To me, Quantrez Knight could be an impact. But I do think the 4 could continue to add depth at the cornerback position because Ambry Thomas went from being a starter to falling off and being the fifth corner. So you just want to continue to improve the room I think the 49ers could look to address depth in that area. I don't think it's a significant need, uh, but it is a, a need nonetheless that the 49ers could address, even though I don't think that, you know, they really are going into it uh, with a struggle. Uh, I think that they could definitely not struggle and and go ahead and get uh, a corner somewhere in the draft. It doesn't have to be the top part of the draft that they could really, really count on uh, because it's all about depth. It's bringing someone in to compete, compete with Ambry Thomas, Mosley left, so you do have a little bit of a vacancy there. I've heard people talking Darius Rush. Um, I like uh, Q Blue from, Key Blue from Kelly from Stanford. I like him a lot. To me, he's a guy that the 49ers could address later in this draft, and I would be very, very good with it. But I think he's got natural instincts, but he's probably going to go in the third round. So if he slips any, uh, the 49ers could definitely get him. And then a guy that the 49ers have met with that I am a huge fan of – is Alex Austin, the cornerback out of Oregon State. Uh, 6'1", he runs a 4'5". To me, he's somebody that I think the four ers could definitely put in their system and he could have great success. So he's a guy that I'm high on as well in this draft process. Uh, Mr. Corey says, thanks for that explanation, and I forgot he was on the practice squad. Yeah, it's one of those things that it's taken time, Mr. Corey, through the years for me to understand everything that had to happen with the accrued seasons, the exclusive rights for agency, restricted free agency. Uh, when it's exclusive rights like this year, you know it's a done deal. They're coming back to the team when it gets restricted. It gets a little bit more interesting. I think the four ers would try to sign him uh, before they ever got to the point where they would need to offer him a tender, the same way they did with Colton McKivitts and Kevin Givens. Uh, but I'm guessing he'll want a one-year deal next year because he'll want to be able to go out – and be a, a free agent on the open market and see what his value is because, uh, Jawan, even though he loves the team, he's going to want to get paid. And there's probably a team out there, especially Miami, Houston, New York, uh, Tennessee, that would love to get a guy like Jawan Jennings, who's a great blocker and can move the sticks on third down. Uh, there was a Kendrick Bourne was once that exact staple of of person, not not as physical as Jawan Jennings. Uh, but a third down converter, and he got a huge contract from New England. So I would expect Jawan Jennings to do the same sort of thing. This, of course, is Kinlaw and Ambry Thomas are my only known targets left, and Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, I think we're going to always have a problem as far as, like, the same way you you were talking about Mike McGlenchy equating a, a top 10 pick uh, to how he played. Uh, I think that'll be what's Kinlaw's thing. You know, I mean, I think Kinlaw being the 14th pick overall, people are going to expect him to be a dominant force that dominates play in and play out. Um, And I think, you know, if if we can adjust our mindset to what he'll be because of the injuries, do more of a rotational piece behind Hargrave, that can help and be kind of more in tune of what you were getting from Hassan Ridgeway. He's an impactful player that way. More limited snaps, a run stopper, who's occasionally going to put pressure on the quarterback. I think if if that if that was ch- the mindset we could change, I think we'd be happy with Kinlaw coming up this next year. Uh, with Ambry Thomas, I just don't know why he fell off so much. To me, it didn't make a lot of sense. So, uh, yeah. Marvin says trade Kinlaw to Jacksonville. Bulky likes injured players. He does. He really does. I mean, I don't think the four years are going to be trading Javon Kinlaw as much as it makes sense. You know, for them to move on and, and trade him. I think they like him as a rotational piece. I think they understand what they have. They won't exercise a fifth year option, but I think they understand what they have with Javon Kinlaw after the knee injuries and such. Uh and if they can use him in that Hassan Ridgeway's, you know, uh, abilities uh and, and role, then I think they'll be okay. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know exactly, you know, how Kinlaw fits in, except for a rotational piece at this point. And I don't think he's in the long-term plans of the 49ers. Porto says, our defense is going to be historically good, guys. Again, I truly believe it. Injuries willing, of course. Yeah. What's up, Lou? How's it going? Thanks for checking in. He says he'll check in later. I appreciate that. We were looking at the four yards defense as far as starters. Um, in the NFC Championship game, you had Lenore, Gibson, Hufanga, Charveris Ward. That doesn't change. Uh, you had Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw. So where it changes is that your, your Sam linebacker, it will either be Oren Burks or Demetrius at fouls. I know a lot of people have been pushing for to McCurry Ball. I won't say he wouldn't. I want to see more from him. Uh, But the linebacker position has one change. So secondary, no changes. uh, Changes of the linebacker position. And then as far as the defensive line, also Armstead starters, Hargrave, Upgrade, but he wasn't with us. And then Drake Jackson, he didn't start. In fact, he didn't play in the game. He didn't dress. So uh, there are a few, you know, three adjustments. One of those, an upgrade from Hargrave. So really... Two guys that you're adjusting from that you have to see how they can step up uh in this, you know, overall in this uh this time off season to see what they could do during the season. Uh let's see. I wanted to go through a couple of things real quick here with our luxury uh picks. So if the Four years are making luxury picks, I picked four positions that they were going to be luxury at oh I forgot a need I forgot quarterback the four yards need a, the four yards will definitely need to address quarterback whether that is drafting someone or signing an undrafted free agent because uh you like to have three usually four healthy quarterbacks to get you through the off season and training camp and the 49 yards are going to have Trey Lance and they're going to have Sam Darnold but Brock Purdy won't be available till potentially the end of training camp they'll probably need to s- draft a a quarterback or sign two undrafted free agent quarterbacks to make sure they have enough bodies to be able to get through the throwing sessions and such during the offseason and training camp. So to me, there's definitely areas the Forty yards could target at quarterback. I know it's going to be late. You're not expecting the 49ers to go early on and draft the quarterback, especially with the addition of Sam Darnold. You know, so the, the usual suspects that people have been talking about have been Stetson Bennett, Clayton Toon, Jake Hayner. Uh, Max Duggan and Duggan, I like a lot out of the group. I think he's got a lot of potential. He's he fits the the Kyle Shanahan uh, type of quarterback that Kyle likes to get. And I I think that you know when I look at it, that's part of the reason um, that I went with that I like Duggan is because I think he's you know one of those guys that's got a lot of potential. So uh, Duggan, a guy that the four years could go with at late in the draft, potentially six round on. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson, of course, ETR. Uh, he's a potential guy the foreigners could go with uh, i like tanner morgan a lot tanner morgan out of minnesota there's nothing special about his measurables um he's six foot two he's you know 200 pounds but i like the way he gets the ball out on time uh he's got really good accuracy where receivers don't lose any momentum when they catch the football he's got enough arm to get the ball downfield. To me, Tanner Morgan would be a guy I would be willing to take late in the draft. And if like some of the mocks have him going undrafted, if that's the, the case and he's going to go undrafted, I'd for sure sign him as an undrafted free agent. So uh, to me, he's somebody that makes sense for the 49ers later on in the draft if you're willing to wait and go that route. Uh, what's up, Gary? How's it going? Gary's in the house. He says, hey, hey, Aunt, Hey, Gary, what's up? Uh, so that would be a, a, a position that the 49ers could definitely address. Uh Lucas. don't know if you've addressed this, but what is the most important position to move up for? I say O-line, but could be edge. I think you said it. It's those two positions. Uh, I think there's so many good edge rushers in this draft that potentially you could sit Pat and pick up one of those guys because um, there are so many guys in this draft that are just really, really good. So if you're looking at edge rushers uh, that could potentially, you know, be in that 49ers, you know, target, are talking about will mcdonald now he's probably gonna go i mean there's people saying he could go in the first round but i think he's a second round guy So if you're trading up will mcdonald makes sense uh depending on where zach harrison is if zach harrison is anywhere near the third round i'd be willing to go up and get him now if he fell uh i mean if he fell to the years comp pick you just sit there and you wait when he's 6'6 275 pounds can set the edge uh, but can also get to the quarterback um, Felix Uzama and Aduke Uzama from Kansas State is one of my favorite watches. I like him a lot. To me, he would be a guy, if he fell, the four Yards could trade up and get a little bit. But I don't think the 49 years would be willing to go up into the second round. I think it's going to have to be early third round. Um, I think that's the time, you know, when the Forty Yards could go up and get one of these guys. As far as offensive line, I think you have to. I think that's why offensive line, to me, if they're trading up, makes the most sense because they could go up and get Cody Mock or Matthew Bergeron, or Darnell White. Like, those guys, to me, are the ones that make sense, especially Mock and Bergeron. And they'll probably be somewhere in that late second round, early third round. So if you're going to go up, I would go up to get one of those tackles if you felt like they could be an heir apparent uh, or even come in and compete with Colton McKibbitts. And if that's the case, yeah, I think you go do it. So, uh, to me, I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, Mr. Corey says, we forgot to mention kicker Jake Moody. I think it's going to be... I, th- I still think it's going to be... Um, Robbie gold. I think gold's going to end up coming back for a pretty good deal because when it comes to the market, there's right now two teams that don't have kickers, the Forty ers and Rams, and there's six veteran kickers out there available. So I think he's lost a little bit of his leverage. And now the 40ers can work out a good contract with them to come back. Cause Robbie gold still wants to compete for super bowls and he still wants to try to make the hall of fame. And the best way to do that is be making postseason kicks. So to me, it makes sense. I just don't want to spend too much money. Um, uh let's see. Uh KDR says just saw we signed offensive lineman John Feliciano. I did not see that. Uh so that could be some news right there. The Four Yards have signed an offensive lineman. Um, but I ha- I hadn't seen that. It, maybe it happened when I was live. We'll see. Yep, John Feliciano was a former fourth-round pick to the Raiders in 2015. Feliciano only allowed three sacks as a center for the Giants throughout his career. He played left guard, center, right guard. He only allowed eight sacks in his NFL career. That's according to Wayne Breezy's Twitter. So Breezy breaking it down right there. The Forties have signed O and John Feliciano to a one year deal, according to Kim Jones Sports. So uh, Feliciano coming in. And I mean, right away, when you hear that he's played left guard, guard, and right guard, what's the first thing that you think? Oh, we've got some more, you know, backup potential on the inside. The Fortier is making more depth moves, a guy that. And take over the Daniel Brunskill role. Uh, okay, you have an injury at guard. Here comes Feliciano. We have an injury at center. Here comes Feliciano. I think this is a smart move by the 49ers overall. And thank you to KDR for coming through with the Feliciano news. I really like that. Um, Orcal says, Didn't Gay sign cheap? Kind of already. No, he got record breaking money. He got absolutely record breaking money. Uh, he got oh, like $5.8 million to kick in the NFL is crazy Um, and lose a second day draft party this year. I don't know, Lou. I haven't really, I I don't think I'm going to uh, just because the Fourniers aren't picking until the end of the third round. They have no second round pick. I'm probably not going to do a draft party this year. I had so much fun last year though. Um, So maybe, you know, we could get together or something and watch the draft together. That could be a lot of fun. Uh, So maybe we'll, we'll be in, we'll talk about that over the next couple of weeks. And see if everyone wants to meet up and just watch it together and not do like an actual show from there. But, you know, watch it. We'll see. Marvin says, Ant, did you watch Jake Hayner play? He played well this year. Tough guy. Yeah, I like Jake Hayner overall. Uh, I thought Jake Hayner competes at a high level. He's got a, a pretty good arm, uh, pretty consistent with accuracy. I do have some injury concerns with Jake Hayner as far as his hip goes. Uh, But to me, I think Jake Hayner's a a guy that, you know, wouldn't make sense for the 49ers in later rounds. The question is, where is he going to fall? I think once he starts getting to the end of the fifth, early sixth round, I think the 49ers could potentially be willing to go with a Hayner. I think the problem with uh, drafting one of these guys too high is the odds of them making the roster is not good. Uh, So I think, you know, you've got Darnold, you've got Trey Lance, and then Brock Purdy will be available at some point you know, where does that where does that make Jake Hainer feel fit? So you have to think that one of the guys that they draft, not only does he have to be pretty good, uh, but he also has to be able to get to the practice squad. So, I mean, could Hainer be that guy? I mean, he could. Uh, I like Hainer, and if the 49ers went Hainer, I would have no problems with that. I think he's a tough competitor uh, who who really works his butt off, and I think he would fit in the 49ers uh, quarterback room for sure. What's up, Joel? How's it going? Joel in the house. Ask how everyone's doing. We're all doing good. We're talking 49ers draft, which is absolutely fun to talk about because it's it's rapidly approaching now guys. Uh we're getting there. We're getting to the draft. It's going to be no time before we're there. Uh but I'm going to check out right now on the hour mark. Thanks everyone so much for coming through to watch the Fortnight's draft needs. I'll be doing ants mock draft 1.0 pretty soon so be on the lookout for that. Uh but thanks everyone for coming through and I'll catch you guys on the next one. If you have the opportunity, like the video, subscribe, uh do all of that stuff. I really appreciate it. it goes to help the channel and Um, and yeah, I had a great conversation with everyone. So until next time, have a good one, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers.